Welcome to Scum, Beer, and Villainy, the podcast about beer, geekery, and everything in between. I'm your host, Marcel Harper. I've been brewing beer for 10 years now. I'm the author of the beginnerbrewer.com blog, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Bezeling. Matt looks a lot like the bassist from Alien Ant Farm. I've been told it was the lead singer. No, you are... You are a dead ringer for the basis from Alien and Farm. I, I, I honestly thought it was a lead singer. I really, really mm, did. Mm. I, I was watching their music video of that cover they do for... The Smooth Criminal, Michael Jackson cover. Yeah. And you, you really are. You, you've got a long-lost brother in America somewhere doing bass for Alien and Farm. Okay. That's, I mean, that's nice. Mm. Um, one and Wonders, probably. Not sure if I want to be totally associated with that. But True. they were funky while they lasted, let's, let's face it. Mm. So, okay. Matt, yes. we're in our new studio. Uh, we are in our new studio, and God, have we had technical difficulties. We've had technical. Never assume that new equipment will work no. straight out the box. No, no, not even straight out the box. Like, not even if you twiddle every single knob on this thing for an hour We've and been half. twiddling knobs around here. We've been twiddling knobs nonstop since uh, <laughs> 10 o'clock this morning. So, it's been a bit challenging, and yeah. we hope that the audio quality is sufficient if you're listening to this. Yeah. If you do hear weird noises, like don't blame me. Meowing cats or yeah, well that, that would be the least of our worries. The slither of giant snails. Yes, yes, we've what? got we've got some studio cats in our new studio. So far, they they they've fallen asleep. <laughs> it might be because they've been very, drinking beer. Yeah, very similar to how we're going to be later on. <laughs> yeah, Matt, we've got an intro beer today. Yes, we do have an intro. Intro beer. beer. Um, oh, we're supposed to do the intro beer jingle. Intro beer. It's your jingle, buddy. It is, it is my jingle, <laughs> and I, I'm really bad at it. Um, mm. Have we not had this as an intro beer before? Never. Never. That's ever. surprising. We have never had this beer in our studio before. Have we really? You have You have talked about this beer a lot in our podcast, but we have never had it before. Well, you very, very kindly decided to make it our intro beer. Why don't you tell everyone what it is? So the intro beer for today is one of Matt's favorite beers, and it is the Stellenbrau Craven Craft Lager. Yes. So it's yes. from Stellenbrauer Breweries in Stellenbosch, and lovely little brewery. Been there a few times now. They they very sort of it's quite tight the space. They they mm. really squeezed in their brewery uh, very well, and I think actually they are using the old Late Brewery uh, from KZN. So Louis Late, the Louis Late. I don't know if how many people know this, but he did actually start his own brewery mm. back in the 80s, I think. I know this because you know this. Mm, and he, he, he brought out one beer called Late Lager, which apparently was crap. And <laughs> <laughs> this is what I hear. When you abs- absolutely positively have to ruin rugby administration in South Africa. Yeah, and why not just Down throw beer into it as well? Yeah. So kind of ironically, I guess, they, they're producing a beer named after Donnie Craven, who's obviously another rugby icon. Mm. So there's some sort of weird connection there. Yeah. They've probably opened up a rift in space-time by doing <laughs> yes, so. Yes, Where Chesterfield sofas fall through rapidly. <laughs> they've got a few others. Um, they've got Craven Croft Lager. They've got a, a vice, which I quite like. I must say I've had that. That's my favorite of theirs. What, what's the vice called? Oh, I'm trying to remember. Cause it's, it's also it's named after some iconic Stellenbosch uh, geographic thing. Yeah. The Volkers, I think, isn't it? Maybe. Something like that. The, the reason I ask is because in almost every bottle store that I've gone into where, where Craven Craft Lager is available, mm. um, there's always one other Stellenbrau. You know, that you never get the full range. There's you never under, get the full range. I, I think there's like five or six Stellenbrau, you know, yeah, brands. I've got, got a few, yeah. Um, and I only ever said two. And the Craven, I'm glad Craven Craft is one of them mm. because it's, in my mind, probably the best lager in the country at the moment. 
Um, it's quite, I'm enjoying it. Uh, you've, you've had this before. I had it only once at the brewery on tap, and for some reason I didn't quite enjoy it there. Oh, really? But I, I think it may have, I don't know, it may have been an old keg or something. Mm. It'd be weird, though, because normally at a brewery you get the freshest. Yeah. I, I like Cravencroft specifically because it isn't, I mean, it's probably on style quite nicely, but it's mm. not like every other South African lager. No. Uh, it actually, it's a little bit more bitter. Um, it's got a little bit more punchy flavor to it. Um, it's not super easy drinking. You know, it's not like down seven on a Sunday afternoon, unless you're Matthew <laughs> Bessling, in which case that's highly likely that you will do that. Day drinking. Day drinking. The vice is Yonkers vice. That's the yeah. one. So Yonkers, that's, Yonkers that's the is one. some yes. famous place there. Yes. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know Stanbush very well. I wasn't privileged enough to go and study there. Yeah. You mean at the bastion of white privilege known as, <laughs> formerly known as Stellenbosch? Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know people who studied at Stellenbosch and they're like to a person insane. So, yeah. I don't think so it's probably a good thing that we avoided that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've mm. done very well with our fair to middling education up here True. in Karting. So, I've heard rumors that Stellenbosch has been bought by a macro brewery, but I, I'm not sure I can confirm that. We'll, oh. have to, mm. we'll have to send our investigative reporters out to. Mm. Yes. Uh, eye in the sky. A <laughs> yeah, sports correspondent from the sports desk. Um, do you have a name for this macro brewery? Or is it the I've macro heard it's Heineken. Oh, really? I've heard it's Heineken, yeah. Well, the people who, dist- who distribute Heineken here in South Africa. Well, I mean, I'm reading here on the label mm. that it's produced in Namibia. It's brewed and bottled under license by Namibia Breweries. Winter oh, for Stellenbrau. Right. So, so I'm guessing that's the macro. So maybe it's Winter. Yeah. That's, okay. That's... Bizarre in many, many ways. Why it is. is it not produced and bottled in the Stellenbrau craft brewery section? Have we missed out on Stellenbrau selling out? They may have. Hey, have they we? Have. Is this something that's happened? Are we? Are we punting a super brew here? Uh, could be. Could be. Mm, I feel, shows di- you, I feel eh? dirty. It's insidious. It is insidious. It can happen to any at any time. Damn it, man! That means that by proxy, I'm really in love with the macro brewery. Well, it won't be the first time, man. No, it won't be the first time. <laughs> Never let me know that. Um, just uh, my last night on on Craven Craft, and actually all the Stellenbrau mm. um, beers. The, I, I love their labeling. I think the lovely labels. The, the motif that they use on the background of their labels is always really, really cool. It's a nice use of fonts. Um, it's quite, um, quite obvious that they're on brand with pretty much everything. I like that a lot. Mm. Well, less now that I know that there's some kind of weird corporate fuckery happening. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, we'll, we'll have to investigate this. It's it's interesting because that would be good. I mean, not good news in that sense. It would be an interesting piece to, to go and look into that because we've seen that in overseas where yeah. macros have bought up uh, craft breweries mm. and then re... And it often happens that way. They will buy yeah. the brewery. Then suddenly that beer will be made somewhere else yeah. at a macro facility because it's cheaper for them, and then sure. they sort of almost mothball the original brewery, or they yeah, they or use it as a le- sort of yeah, a left as a rustic outlet. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can you can have the beer there because there's nice fermenters to look at, but there's no beer being made there. Correct. I've, that that's definitely happened overseas a lot. So this could be the first example of that here in South Africa. Well, I mean, nice job for the Stellenbrau guys for making beer that was obviously popular mm. and you know well made enough to attract that attention but sure also not so well done not for, so well done on fucking everyone else up yeah I'm, I'm, i don't think it's ever a good thing when a big brewery moves into craft and buys i mean they on some level they are eliminating competition if, if you could even call it that but on another level i think it's 
it's reducing again the diversity of craft beer mm. if if you have that sort of thing happening. So it's it's a little bit worrying. Mm. Mm. But we'll we will need to explore that particular facet mm. of this entire we'll situation. But nonetheless, as a beer in its own, yeah, not knowing not its, knowing. its pedigree <laughs> or provenance, yeah. Not bad. No, it's a it's a mm. nice lager. It's a, nice it's a lager. very nice, very crystal clear, as one would expect uh, from a lager. And a bit more amber than the kind of golden lager. It, it color. does. It does have a bit of a more of an amberish quality. So, some interesting malts there. Mm. Maybe that's what I like more about this one. Uh, about this lager is it is a more malty lager. Mm. Mm. Definitely malt forward. Yeah, good bitterness balance, but not. It's not as bitter as some of the. Mm. The log is bad in the last episode. Mm. Yes. So, good one. Link to last episode podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Click here. Click for, here. <laughs> I certainly hope that people listening uh, to this episode has, you know, they've already listened to the previous one. Yes. Our, ep- uh, our New Hope episode. This is, of course, I mean, our Empire is, Strikes Back Empire. episode. We were talking about this last time. It's not boating well. <laughs> <laughs> well, much like Empire, uh, Cloud City has yeah. undergone extensive... Troubles with the with the with the empire. Mm. Um, yeah, unlike the movie, we haven't made a deal which will keep them out of here forever. <laughs> no, no, but who, none of us can pretend to be Billy Dee Williams. No one could even try. I think you might have been able to do the mustache. That's about the best. That's about as close as I can get. But mm. I can't be as cool as him. No, no, no one can. So, so what are we doing today, Marcel? So, doing uh, before we get there, maybe we should kick off with some music. Though. What do you think, man? Fine. <laughs> or not fine do the back music <laughs> we'll fix this in post so music today is brought to you by a band called tiger a post rock prog rock kind of outfit from joburg i think you can call it that mm-hmm. bunch of really good uh, musicians uh led by uh, tim harbour i don't know what do you think of them um well the the bit that you played earlier mm. on was like super swingy Site on the show notes. Tiger. So go check out Tiger. Tiger. Wow. Wow. They're the Tiger Bomb of bands. <laughs> tiger Bomb of bands. Put this Tiger Bomb on your heart. Cool. Shout out to the snacks in the studio today. Mm. Marcel has what is apparently, and I'll tend to agree with him, the mm. best fudge I've ever eaten in my entire life. It is incredible fudge. It's, it's from a, an artisan bakery called Cheryl Amy Jones. So shout out to Cheryl Amy Jones. So on the menu today is... Again, a style which you and I both are incredibly fond of, mm-hmm. and I thought we should really get to it sooner or later. Yeah, and that is the India Pale Ale, the old IPAs. IPA. Yeah, it's IPA day today, and I mean this one. Not... IPA, IPA. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And I'm sure that we will have many different shows about IPAs, and and you know because mm-hmm. we can't stay away from them. Mm. But mm. I think that 
what we're going to do today is just sort of do a general introduction to IPAs. It's it's a very iconic style for craft breweries to make. It is actually the most commonly made style in South Africa mm. um, for craft breweries. A lot of people will find that surprising, but it is. Most craft breweries now make an IPA. Some of them make more than one. Um, it's sort of like what can I? Th- I mean, a, an analogy would be it's you can't you can't be a rock band if you haven't <laughs> if you haven't thrown a television through a hotel window. Yeah. Right, yeah. you, you you can be a kind of a rock band, but you can't be a real one unless yeah. you've been asked to leave a hotel or some venue because of your raucous behavior. And in the same fashion, I think you can't really call yourself a craft brewery if you haven't made an IPA. Yeah, it's it's a sort of a rite of passage, if you like. Mm. Um, and part of the reason for that is that in, when craft beer really started um, exploding on the scene in the states, especially and in Europe, a lot of the craft brewers made IPAs because partly it's so different from mm. your macro brewed lagers, which are kind of middle of the road, pretty bland, not a lot of flavors. Mm. IPA sort of just breaks that stereotype yeah. into yeah. a million little pieces because it's a lot of flavor. Flavor for it, hops. Hops is the main Better. the main star of mm. an IPA. And so it, it just tastes so different from other beers that I think it's been it's been seen as a kind of a, a groundbreaking genre defining mm. beer. But as far as far away as you can get from the the middle of the road beers. Exactly. I mean, and there should anyway. There shouldn't be anything mm. middle of the road in an IPA. It should be. It should almost always be a little bit extreme. Yeah. Pushing flavor boundaries. Um, look, as a style, it, it it is meant to showcase hops, mm. and not so much the malts. Um, but there are there are variations even within that style. You get various sub styles of IPAs. Um, in the new BJCP guidelines, for instance, they've they recognize quite a number of them, mm-hmm. which wasn't the case before. Uh, are we talking about things like the Imperial? Yeah, so Imperial is is, is there. Um, we, we're not going to do Imperial IPAs because they're almost like in a different category of like super strong extreme beers. Um, but sub-styles of IPAs at the moment would be things like your red IPAs and your brown mm. IPAs. and. Mm. Um, you know, sort of white IPAs. Yeah. So white IPA, for instance, is a Belgian wheat beer, uh, but sort of crossed with an IPA style. Okay. Um, so that sort of sub-style of IPA is now becoming much more popular. Yeah. And in fact, I think we, I don't think we ever had one, but I know Darling makes one. They make a white IPA. Hmm. We don't have it here today, unfortunately. Damn. Well, fine. We'll leave it for the mm. special IPA. I episode. thought we should leave Darling a little because we always have Darling <laughs> in every single darling, show. And yeah. I think people are starting to, to become suspicious of our motivations. Damn you, Darling. Just to, to touch on that a little bit as well, um, on the IPA aspect. Mm. Um, so, the, you know, there's Indian Pale Ales, the IPA kind of yeah. standard. But there's also English Pale Ales. I mean, from, from my little bit of, mm. of reading up about it, I mean, you're looking at the, the Pale Ales being kind of the, the standard English ale, you know, your cask ale and things like that. Yes. Um, uh, of which the, the APA, the American Pale Ales, are, mm. uh, you know, of, are in very American fashion a bit more foot-forward versions hoppy. of them, you know? Sure. And then the IPA obviously just took that to an extreme, mm. but uh, as like a more of a bastard child of a pale mm. ale rather than a brother or a sibling, mm. you know? No, I like that analogy. I mean, I think the 
I think the pale ale name comes originally from the fact that there were so many dark ales in the in the early days mm. of beer. Um, so pale malts weren't that popular back in the day. Mm. Also, they weren't that sophisticated. You generally had to kiln or roast your, your, your malts to get a bit more flavor out of them. Um, the pale malts available weren't that tasty. So people added a lot of different malts to mm. add more more flavor. Around the turn of the century, most of your, your ales were darker ales. When you got better modified pale malts available, and they could be converted more readily into sugar, because that's sort of what, it, what, we, sure. what we mean when we say it's a, it's a convertible malt or a, you know that means it just you can get a high percentage of sugar out of it yeah people called these ales pale because they were paler than the darker mm. ales but they mm. weren't they were pale on their own pale yeah sure so that's why a lot of people when when they have a pale ale and they pour in the glass and it's sort of amber colored they yes. think that's weird i thought it would be yeah. like a lager what's all this caramel shit going on? yeah but in comparison to a porter mm. it's pale sure sure um, in comparison to a lager it's not pale sure and uh, in, co- in comparison to a lot of the kind of um, bitter ales, the cask ales, mm. the, the English kind of no, un- very, uncarbonated, very you know. They're, they're almost dark red. Correct. Virtually or cola, cola colored almost. Correct, yeah. So that's where the name pale ale comes from, and mm. it's stuck around forever mm. since that time. And an IPA is sort of in that league of pale ales. It tends to be pale in color, um, sometimes even paler than some of the pale ales. Um, but now, of course, we get a lot of variation. You get red mm. um, IPAs, you get very cloudy ones. In fact, we're going to have one yeah. today, which is very cloudy. Mm. Um, so they come in all shapes and sizes. I think the distinguishing feature of an IPA would be the hops. It's mm. yeah. We spoke about that, I think, in one of the early shows where we talked about the style thing and that we shouldn't be sort of style policemen. But on the other hand, styles do define a specific characteristic. Sure. The IPA style's real you know, main central point is to showcase hops. Yeah. So the beer is a vehicle for hops in some way or another. Mm. If you can't have a non-hoppy IPA, then, it's, not, then it's a different style. Then it's mm. not an IPA. Yeah. And to that point, you know, there's a problem if you have IPA on the label and you you, you drink it and it tastes non-IPA. Sure, sure. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Then then it's time to evoke the trademark Matt Bezling <laughs> 2016 term Faux-P-A. of... Faux-P-A. Yeah, Faux-P-A. You're a faux <laughs> We'll see if there are any FOPAs in our lineup today. There might be. I'm, I'm, I suspect strongly there will be. Yes, I can almost guarantee it because it wouldn't be a show if my slob wasn't going to fuck us up in some way. There must be some rant. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not a show. <laughs> it's not going to count. It's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty wide style category in that sense. Um, and it, it's up to the brewer to decide how they want that beer to finish, you know. Mm. They, they tend to use pretty neutral yeasts because they don't want the yeast flavor to sort of compete with the hops flavor. The hops, yeah. They often use yeast known to augment hop flavor, mm. um, and they use brewing techniques which also are meant to augment hop flavor. So, for instance, a lot of brewers would use um, different salts in the water. So, mm. things like gypsum mm. are known, and that's a good tip for home brewers who want to do good IPAs. Is, is add a in your 19-liter 19, 19 batch, you would add maybe like a tablespoon of gypsum mm. in the brew water. G- gypsum's got another name, doesn't it? Calcium. Carbonate or something? Salt, sulfate or something? Sulfate, yeah. Wow. My science is is non-existent. Mm. (laughs) Plaster of Paris? It's Plaster of Paris, basically. Yeah, gypsum is plaster. But this is food grade. Sure. You can't use the plaster of Paris you you use to make cast. You can't take your cast off and grind it up and make a beer in it. That's not food grade, yes. Speaking about the hops, are there any particular hops that are preferred in making IPA? 
That depends on the style. So your English IPAs are mostly, your, you know, you, or they mostly use British hops. Um, they use European hops. And that's got a different characteristic to the American hops. I mean, I think what, what has made IPAs sort of famous in craft beer is the American style of IPAs because the American hops are very citrus, very floral, uh, very sort of grapefruity. And those those flavors are not well known um, in other styles of beer. Yeah. By by pushing those flavors heavily, the American IPAs have a very distinct flavor. And I sort of enjoy those myself yeah. the most. I find the earthy um, sort of herbaceous hops of Europe mm. and England don't do that well if you put them in an IPA in large mm. quantities. I mean, not in my palate anyway, but I know a lot of people like those. Mm. So it depends on the, the, the region it comes from often. And and then it will, will have a different characteristic depending on what mm. hops you put in there. But mm. you can really make an IPA out of any hops. It's more about putting a lot of it in there. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's what you're looking for on the flavor side. Uh, yeah. You know, it, that's obviously, it, I remember sitting in your kitchen and we, uh, you know, as a total noob, not understanding, mm. you know, you put your hops in it maybe two or three different times. Um, sure. One affects flavor, mm. one affects aroma, that yeah. kind of thing. And mm. on the IPA side, would that be something that you would... Uh, impose on both aroma and flavor yeah for sure i mean it's it's a lot to do with when how you use hops and i think for our homebrewers out there if you're trying to make ipas that's what you're going to play with you're going to play with when you have your hop additions mm. how much in each of those additions are you going to put in mm. for today for instance we're going to be tasting um, ipas which are really bitter and they've had hops added early in the boil in the kettle which extracts a lot of bitterness out of a hop so it takes a long time for those alpha acids in a hop to be extracted. A lot of heat, a lot of agitation. So if you put your hops in the in the beginning of the boil, you'll get a lot of bitterness More out bitterness, of it. Yeah. And so some IPAs have that. Um, things like a Tomorg, for instance, mm. which is that sort of classic, really bitter and and then also very aromatic yeah. hop flavor. So it means that you add a lot in the beginning, you add a lot in the okay. middle, yeah. you add a lot in the end. Yeah. I guess the classic way of making an IPA, you just you, <laughs> you, you chuck that, you, that hops in constantly. You chuck the hops in, man, yeah. and you, in every single edition. Dogfish Head in America has a famous one called 90-Minute yeah. IPA yeah. and 60-Minute IPA, both of which they, they use continual hop. So they continually hop that beer as it's boiling. Mm. Every couple of seconds, there's hops falling into Dropping the kettle. Dropping into it, yeah. There are other IPAs which we'll also try today, which are almost exclusively late hop. They don't have the very upfront bitterness. But they have a lot of the floral, mm. um, the aroma characteristics, a lot of the tastes mm. of citrus, but not so much of the bitterness. Cool. Can we can we stop talking about the IPA that we're going to have today and have the IPA? Let's have an IPA. Cool. We're going to go into the magic beer box. This is a magic beer box. This is uh, bigger we've, than our regular magic beer box. We've retired the beer bag and now we've got a, a <laughs> now, beer box. Now we have a legitimate box of beer. <laughs> So unfortunately, we don't have IPA glasses today. It's it's our ongoing experiment in glassware. <laughs> we'll continue. I swear we yeah. will finally. We will do this. work out whether glassware makes any difference. I whatsoever. think next episode. Okay. Next episode, we will have the definitive experiment in glassware. I thought we were going to do ciders the next episode. Okay. The episode after the cider episode. I thought we were doing gin the episode after that. After that. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you. I can tell you exactly what this beer is before I have yeah. even taken a sip. So we are starting off our IPA off. Does that make any sense? Yeah, to me. Um, not probably not to anyone else. I think we should do the same as we did with the lagers and just sort of like semi-scientifically order put them, them in an order. Yeah. So I thought I'd start out with sort of the iconic IPA of South Africa. Yeah, apparently the best beer in South Africa. It's won a lot of awards over the years. It was the very first IPA 
in South Africa, as far as I understand. It's the highest rated beer, mm. South African beer, on RateMyBeer.com. Oh, really? No. Okay. I'll, I'll totally believe that. Well, it also has the most votes. So, I mean, there is mm. a statistical kind of yeah. bit of fuckery there. But so. they've been around for a long time. This was uh, Devil Speaks, uh, one of their first production <gasps> beers as well. And, they st- and what I love about the brewery is they started off bold. They mm. didn't go with the safe lager Let's option. Let's make a lager. Let's make five different lagers, which all mm. taste slightly like castle. <laughs> yeah. um, and they just went balls to the wall. You know, they brought out a, a, a golden ale, they, which called, they called First Light. That's still around. They yeah. brought out a Saison, which is no longer around, which I loved, called Silver Tree. And they brought out um, a Amber, which was called Woodhead. Which oh. I haven't tasted, actually. The Woodhead also I discontinued, but oh. they sometimes bring it out. Uh, lovely Amber. And this one, the, the King's Blockhouse IPA, which is still around. Mm. And thank God. If you smell it, it's just an immediate. Oh. This beer. <laughs> so beautiful. Jesus. This fucking beer almost <laughs> smells better than it tastes. It's... It is incredible. I mean, it, you've got citrus, you've got lemongrass, you've got grapefruit, pineapple. All, all trampled underfoot. Mm. You know, there's a dankness and an earthiness. Yeah. And trampled underfoot by 5,000 hippies yes, on their way to Woodstock. Yeah, all desperate for that last hit of the yellow acid. Exactly. And it's also, it's quite, it's very pale. It's, it's mm. straw-colored, so it's lager-colored almost, you could say. Yeah. It's got a slight haze to it, and that's because they, they um, dry hop it as well. And that's very common in IPAs. So you, again, get the most hop flavor out of a beer. You, you can use dry hopping, which is a technique where you add hops to the fermenter. And like most things, if you steep them cold, like if you steep coffee cold, if you steep tea cold, it, it most, mostly it brings out the flavor without the bitterness. Mm. Um, and that's exactly what you do with, with mm. dry hopping. You mm. get full flavor without any of the bitterness. And, but it does create a bit of haze in many of the mm. IPAs. What do you think, man? What taste-wise? Sorry, I, I know that you were talking right now, but <laughs> I, I completely fucking switched off. Mm. Um, it's, it's lovely. It's, you know what? It, also, we, one of those beers which it doesn't diminish in the bottle. No, no, not at all. Because uh, mm. we, you know, we've had this on mm. tap and we've had this. Uh, yeah, you know, we've had a lot on tap. It's virtually the same. And it's, it's virtually the same beer, mm. you know, which is a, a, a real testament to their brewing. Yeah. Um, weird enough, you know, us having discussed, discussed the style and discussed mm. the, 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 the history, you know, the, the, this isn't the most bitter IPA I've ever had in my entire life. No. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's delicious. And it's, it's kind of well it's, balanced. It's well on style, but it's not, it's not destroying my, mm. my, my mouth yet. I mean, the thing is, if you're used to your sweeter range of macro-brewed lagers, for instance, this will then seem it, very bitter. Then it will be challenging, sure, yeah. sure. But we've tasted much mm. more bitter IPAs. Well, the Tomahawk comes to mind, the which really is, is face-stripping, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's paint-stripping. A, that's a, yeah. mm. Mm. Look, I mean, I, w- whether it's the best South African beer in, you know, mm. that we have or not, uh, it's kind of irrelevant. I mean, at the point at which you start drinking the the the, the King's Blockhouse IPA, you know, it's a it's a a beautifully brewed beer. It's beautiful. I mean, there's just I don't think they really compromise either. You know, they mm. use they obviously use a lot of hops. They use uh, I think there's a mixture of South African and American hops in there. Um, so they haven't compromised mm. on even though with all the exchange rates and import duties sure, must have become they're still using the good stuff. They're using the good stuff, you know, and it's it's just a beautifully balanced. Balanced, balanced is a good word for it because that bitterness is there, but it's mm. um, it's balanced by the the slightly higher citrusy notes. It's yeah. it's balanced by the fact that it's and there's not, maltiness here. But yeah. it's in the background. It's in the background. 
Um, it's it's there to provide a backbone, I think, for the hops, but not to overpower it. Mm. Everything's just a platform for the beer. Mm. I mean, I'm sure a billion people have gone on and on about how good this beer is, but it, yeah. it really is. If you haven't if you haven't tasted the Bacchus IPA, oh man, and it's um, just an iconic beer. Yeah. And even if you don't like IPAs, even if you're mm. not a fan of you know the the more mm. bitter beers, I think you'd be surprised by by mm. by how much you enjoy this. What's interesting to me is I, I ran a a beer tasting not so long ago with a bunch of people and and they were people who were not very you know they were kind of new to craft beer mm-hmm. and they were mostly wine drinkers so I, I ran sort of a beer tasting with them yeah what was interesting is um the the blockhouse was one of the most popular ones especially amongst women mm. in the group mm. because they said it doesn't taste to them like regular beer yeah and oh. and that is an eye opener for people who still believe that um, you know beer is a man's drink yeah, all that sure. crap. And it it is actually I mean I wouldn't make it a gender issue, but I think if you're not into beer, mm. whatever your gender, if you're a hardcore wine enthusiast or yeah. you you prefer your whiskies and so on, try the IPA because that is a very different mm. beer. And this Blockhouse is a, a great example of that. Yeah. I, I was going to say that I've, I've had a very similar experience um, in our circle of friends where, you know, it, it is difficult to introduce them to more challenging mm. beers. But at the same time, I found that a, a, lot, of the, a lot of the ladies who, who are used to either semi-sweet or dry or mm. drinking dry wines, mm. uh, they find this far more palatable exactly. than, than drinking. Well, I know. actually had someone come up to me after the tasting and said, you know what, that Blockhouse IPA tastes to me. A lot like a bitter version of a really fruity Chenin Blanc. Yes. Or a really fruity yes. Chardonnay. Yes. And you can get I it. I can absolutely There's believe There's a real, there is something going it. on there. Yeah. Yeah, again, I mean, it, it, it gives me that idea of that, that dryness, that, that clean finish. Mm. There's not a lot that, that stays in your tongue here. It's just a lovely beer. I'm yeah. so in love with this beer. Mm. Actually, I'm surprised that I haven't had more of this because oh. I've sort of moved away from Blockhouse because I've been trying so many different beers. Yeah. Yeah. But now that I'm coming back to this, I'm like, wow, man. It's like coming home. You you introduced me to this, actually. I remember. You, I think you said, yeah, taste the best IPA in the country. And I went, don't, I was be, like, don't be ridiculous. And I was super nervous. I remember that because I was nervous to think now, because there's always a bit of a danger. You know, if you introduce people to something this extreme, you may put them off the category mm. of craft beer forever. Mm. And they go, no, this is like, strange no, shit. fuck it. I'm going back to Guinness. And I was like so happy when you liked it. And now it's like one of your favorite beers. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, mean, I you and I, when we go to pubs and it's available on tap, we immediately no, order of course. it. Of course. Yeah. Ticks all the boxes. Well, cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Marcel. Thanks for... Lovely IPA. Getting this yeah. damn beer. But also, very, <laughs> uh, very, very common to uh, IPAs, it's a little bit higher in alcohol. Um, so this is a 6% beer. I didn't actually know that it was that high in alcohol. Yeah. And again, it's it's a testament to the brewing skill. Because it doesn't. It's, it's not. Boozy. You don't taste that. Yeah. You don't taste the booze. Yeah. It's very well hidden, um, and and melded in with the other flavors. Yeah. I think we we spoke of that last time. That alcohol itself is a flavor in beer. Exactly. Yeah. And you can manipulate how boozy or not a beer tastes, and mm. that that's part of the taste profile. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether you've got those mm. higher acetone alcoholic sure. notes versus no. whether you subdue it into the actual exactly. flavor of the of the exactly. drink. Um, I think we we talked about that when we did the high alcohol Belgian beers. Yes, yes. Um, sure. I mean, the reason behind it, obviously, is that the more hops you put into a beer, the more you need to put malt in to balance it out. I mean, otherwise it just is undrinkable. If, you, if you're bothering to balance it at the first yeah. time. Well, the, the, you know, balance is a relative term, I guess, because we're not saying it's balanced in the sense that there's, there's like a perfect balance between malts and hops. No. Because in an IPA, you want the balance to be skewed Correct. towards hops. Correct. 
but you still do need to add malt for that mm. backbone. I mean, if you if you don't have enough, it'll be so bitter that you really wouldn't drink it. It would be horrible. The the idea again is probably not to think of it as a as a balanced board where every beer has to have that perfect middle weight. <laughs> it's more a case of saying that you can stand a heavier dude on one side and a lighter dude on on the other side for any particular. It has some beer. kind of equilibrium. It has some kind of mm. equilibrium. Yeah, absolutely. stuff later i mean i think in in keeping with the idea that ipas were sort of almost the genre defining beer of craft i was thinking it would be cool to talk a little bit about what we considered to be genre defining moments in cinema in and cinema and, music and, and yeah. music and all sorts of stuff I okay it would be nice can we have another another couple of king's blockhouse ipas first for sure then the conversation will be very interesting then it will be very interesting can i ask mm. you uh, one last question on 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 the dp mm. KB IPA. That sounded Good really grief. odd, man. Yeah, I think that's actually a sexual position. Yeah, that went very <laughs> the d- sexual there, <laughs> the d- man. KB IPA. Um, With extra leather strapping. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, the, is the design of the bottles. Um, yeah. They, they kind of, in many ways, were originators of a lot of the styling that we see on, mm. uh, on craft beer bottles mm. today. Um, well, at least uh, from a South African platform. I mean, yeah. a, a lot of it's been done overseas, but um, and they they haven't really wavered. They've got that kind of um, mishmash of mm. of styles. Um, I'm, um, I'm actually like playing card uh, design. Yeah, there's a playing. I love what they do with the uh, the pipe in the barcode. That's brilliant. It's that is so cleverly mm. done. I have no idea if that's actually legitimately legal, but no, you can apparently. Really, you can fuck with the barcode. The the scanner only uses like a very first millimeter above the numbers apparently well it's very it's very clever i really, really like it there's a weirdly enough it makes me think there was and um, that's that's apparently a reference to that von hunk's uh, me, uh legend in cape town that the the clouds over table mountain or the smoke from the guy who's, who's having a smoke off with the devil and his name is van hunk's fact that's a pretty subtle reference i won't lie that's what i hear um cape Townians, they're subtle um thank you Devil's Peak for making such a ah, damn Devil's fine Peak, fucking You guys beer. rock. Next IPA. We're going in a different direction this time. And we spoke a little bit earlier about different countries of origin mm-hmm. in IPA. So we're going to try an English IPA now. Mm-hmm. And this is a English IPA made by Citizen Beer in Cape Town. Who who we have a, a long <laughs> <laughs> love-hate relationship with. I wouldn't say love-hate. I think it's love-love, but... Mm. They 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 did upset me a little bit let's, give, many let's, years ago. Yeah, give the context. Yeah, give the context. So quite a few years ago, I started a little brewery called just, hate, a, just a little something we like to call Hate something City. We called Hate City Brewing Company, uh, which is currently and I hate this, but I'm I've, I'm thinking of restarting it in a very interesting new way, and I'll keep you updated. Oh, nice way to announce it on the podcast. Yeah, jeez, just lay that down. Laying it down. Light this shit up. I finally have a plan on how to do that, but okay. that's a different story. So, yeah. So I, I really enjoy Citizens uh, beers. I mean, their first one was called Alliance. It was Alliance, an amber. Yeah. It wasn't the, the sort of most extreme amber ale, but it was a really fun, flavorsome beer, very food-friendly, which I think was their original attention. Mm. Um, I love the guys from um, Citizen. They, they're lovely people. they you know, just to sort of really stop, stop setting nice it up. People. All right, stop I'm setting it up. Stop setting it up. So just anyway, so so we we were designing our first beer from Hate City. It was going to be a California <laughs> Common, 
and also we, known as a steam beer, yeah, steam, steam beer, ale. steam beer, and we were going to call it Sabatier. Sabatier, yeah, because it, it obviously has that alliteration going with steam, right? Sabatier steam beer, mm. and also that it was supposed to be a sneaking up on the South African beer public, you know, it's sure. kind of like a different style. Yeah, uh, it thief was gonna, in the night, a thief in the night is going to kind of smack you in the balls mm. while it also tickles your taste buds. <laughs> That's what it's yeah, It's a nice image. <laughs> you can see uh, you can see that Steve and I had a lot of uh, for sure. graphic design ideas. And uh and that and we had decided on it and we were happy with it and we were starting to design uh, labels based on Sabatier and extensive then, extensive, extensive design of labels. Um we were very happy with that and then roughly about a month or so before we were due mm. to launch um, Citizen came out with Sabatier IPA. <laughs> Marcel phoned me at about, <laughs> I think, 10 o'clock at night. I was very And despondent. he just goes, listen, man, I've got to tell you something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know quite how to I tell you this. To, I don't know how to tell you this, but we can't use Sabatier. Mm. And, I, and, and, you know, it's just one of those things where people come up with mm. a good idea at the same mm. time because it is a lovely name. And and mm. sometimes you just, there's a creative energy running through everyone and they come up with the same stuff. And, they they beat us, uh, you know, past the post. Motherfuckers. <laughs> and, Motherfuckers. But I never ever, you know, felt negative towards them. I, I just, I really just felt. No, it know, is all. A, this is just Murphy's law. A personal, inwards facing kind of negativity. Yeah, oh, it's, it's such a Murphy's law. <laughs> and I went, we found another name for the beer, and it was also a great name, and it became mm, a very nice, good beer. nice moniker for that beer. Um, but fortunately, Sabatier is still going. Yeah. Um. And it's one of their production beers, the English IPA. And what do you think, man? What are you picking up there on the nose? Let's uh, let's have a look. So right away, the nose is much more muted mm. than um, Blockhouse, and much less bitter. You don't mm. you don't pick up those bitter notes nearly as much. It's slightly more floral on the yeah. nose. Yeah, there's some floral stuff going on, but also a little bit earthier um, aromas. Mm. So this would be. I mean, you almost get that bouquet garni herbaceous sort of notes mm. for me, mm. you know? Yeah. And also quite upfront in the flavor profile mm. is that, mm. uh, is the herby kind of flavors. I mean, if you made a, you know, not to get too foodie here, but I mean, if you made a reduction out of this beer, you can imagine that would be mm. really good with lamb and with roasts. There's almost a, almost a spiciness. Mm. There's definitely spicy. And that mostly comes from the hops mm. and it's mostly your European hops uh, your English hops and so on, which which bring that out. Um, yeah, because it is also a little bit darker than Blockhouse, and you you get a slightly more red tinges. That could be an indication of either using a bit of caramel malt or a little of something like a Munich malt for the homebrewers tuning in who want to recreate this, um, where you get that more toasted kilned color. Yeah, almost and more of an amber for sure reddishness, yeah. and and you would get more spicy notes out of those malts as well because it. The caramel flavors, the the sugary flavors will combine and create those sort of um, interesting flavor profiles. Also, cloudy, like the mm. like the Devil's Peak. Yeah, but not super cloudy. It's just that slight haze. Yeah, and that would suggest that they also dry hop it. Weird enough, it's quite a it's quite a attractive haze. If you know what I mean, it <laughs> it, it makes it look crisp and mm. like no, it, it doesn't make it look dirty. It doesn't make yeah, it, 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 it looks like it's made the glass cold. Yeah. You know? It's it's it, it's very similar to a, a floor in beer, which is called cold haze. Oh, really? Um, but it's not this. Um, but if <laughs> you you would sometimes as a homebrewer get that where you would you would see your your beer is crystal clear when you put it into the bottle, and then when pouring, when you put it in the fridge and you pour uh, it, it's hazy. 
And that means you haven't cold conditioned your beer properly. Mm. So just a, a, a tip there, if that's a common problem for you. But if you dry up a beer, you would expect it to have a bit of haze. So, so Marcel, tell me, would this be a, a, an English IPA or, so or, or an English pale ale? No, this is an English IPA. So, so it's, it's strange how different it is on that bitterness profile. Mm. Um, it is, it's definitely more bitter. It's definitely yeah. it's there. There's a lot of bitterness here and there's it, a lot of hops. It, it, doesn't, it isn't as dry. I mean, that, this goes mm. to what you were saying earlier, that it doesn't necessarily mean you have that dry, dry finish. Not at all. It's not necessarily always clean because this has definitely got a, mm. a warmer finish. Um, it does. A little, um, bit, you know, a little bit sweeter. The alcohol is also a little more present here. It's 5.5% ABV. Mm. Uh, so very similar to the Blockhouse, mm. but uh, more, more alcohol warmth attached to this for me yeah um and you but the hoppiness is there it's very bitter in comparison to a typical um english pale ale or a bitter in fact a bitter yeah yeah, yeah. but you see bitters again are not bitter bitter because they're just more bitter than the traditional styles of ale which were sure. very sweet sure and when people started using more hops they called it bitter because it correct. tasted bitter correct yeah um but ipa is way more than that and i'm not sure if if um i don't think they give you the ibus no they don't Guys, gotta give me the IBU. I need that IBU. I need that. Give me that IBU action. (laughs) Daddy needs his IBU. But I I do love the label. I mean, it's that typical um, citizen label. Mm. They've got the one color. They've got their branding sorted. They do. And as always, I love the texture of these labels. Yeah, they've got that kind of uh, cardboardy parchment paper. Natural made paper. Mm, It's lovely. I I like that gradient that they've had going for a Mm. while. Because it's a. An English IPA, it's using very different hops, but unmistakably bitter. But you will find the English IPAs have much more malt balance. So they're much more malt forward than the American IPAs. Here it's more balanced. And I mean, you could argue that the traditional, traditional IPA, where it all started was the English IPAs. Because the story, which has now been debated and disputed. The the boats and the preservation and the... I think the closest to the truth probably is something which is that the IPA wasn't the only beer they shipped to India um, back in the day. There were many other beers they shipped. This was one of the styles made by a brewer in London mm. um, who experimented with using more hops as a preservative. And But the IPAs that people drank in India were probably not as bitter because the journey itself took so would long. Have, it would have taken that out. That yeah. in the cask, the, the, the hops sort of mellowed out. Mm. And so by the time, and in fact, that was one of the ideas, is that they, they wanted the British troops and the people who drank IPAs in, in India to, to drink a beer similar to the beers they were used to in London. Mm. It's good for all, sir. Yes, yes. It, it can't be too different. Tell you, old chap. Yes, none of this foreign muck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, this um, mm. it's it's actually a very nice beer. I actually weird enough, it's um, probably more easy drinking uh, in terms of I could have three of them. Easy drinking. Yeah, that's what I mean. Mm. Unchallenging and compromising. Mm. Uh, no, I it, still think that that if you're not used to IPAs, this will still challenge you. Maybe I'm maybe um, I'm just coming from such a bizarre perspective where mm. this tastes like real beer mm. and everything else doesn't. Lovely beer. Um, I I think this is very food friendly. Um, I can imagine having this uh, Sabatier English IPA with a with a sort of a Sunday roast. In fact, typical British food, I guess. You mm. know, the, the Sunday roast with potato and yeah, you know, the whole mushy peas and mushy peas, Yorkies, and some kind of very heavy uh, custard laden pudding uh, at the end. Um, and you could have this throughout. Some kind of flan. 
flan, whatever that is. <laughs> it's both a name of a British actress and a pudding. <laughs> flan, flan. I think, I think you you mean, forgot your line. I think you mean Fran. <laughs> but that's also good. Mm. Lovely, lovely one, lovely one. one. Keep keep making this beer, mm. citizen. Please, and so but don't steal our names anymore. We're moving right along. <laughs> yes. Just like a Margaret Roberts or Delia Smith <laughs> yeah. cooking show. Yeah. Moving right along. Here's one I made earlier. Yes, yes. I have already made one and it's in the oven. <laughs> After cooking for 72 consecutive days, <laughs> this is what happens to your tomato. <laughs> yes. yes. After you know screwing up five different versions of this, I'm now going to make it look ridiculously easy. I thought we should try something very different. Now, this uh, is from Devil's Peak. Uh, oh. It's in their Explorer range. Hmm. And it's a brand new style of IPA. It's so new, in fact, that it does not yet exist in the BJCP style Bible. Holy shit. Indeed. We are are front runners here. We're front runners. We're way out here. And this is called a New England IPA or any IPA. Uh Uh-huh. A NIPA. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We're having NIPA. This is, okay. This is not a medical condition. And the main characteristic of a New England IPA is, is it doesn't exist, apparently. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't That's one of them. Made before. Uh, you'll see immediately what I mean when I say it's very different because it pours real cloudy. Yeah, that is totally opaque. Mm. It resembles a sort of a Hefenweizen in, in appearance, not in any other meaningful way. Um, a lot of sediment as well. There's some sediment there. No, there's not some sediment. There's a lot of sediment here. There's, we've got floaters. Floaters. We got floaters here. Matt, you're particularly disturbed by floaters, I know. <laughs> I feel like uh, that you are... I come from a large family. <laughs> floaters. something that endures on a daily well, basis. You'd be happy to hear that there's a new movie coming out where uh, where there's lots of people floating down there. It. Oh, the yes. TV series. We no, all float down here. Not the two. It's a new movie. It's a new movie. It's, a, it's, it's a, not a TV it's a, series. It's a remake, yeah. It's a movie I shall never see. Um, yeah, it's unlikely that that's something I'll willingly watch. No, I, I, I would, I just would never sleep. Oh no, but that's exactly my point. Oh, I've, I've got no, I've got no time for things that terrify me. Oh, well, I, mean, I think you're much more resilient to horror movies than I. I think you'd be surprised. Mm. I think you'd be very, very surprised. Maybe we should watch it together, and then we can give each other moral support. Yes, or or just beat each other to death so that we don't have to watch <laughs> the ending of it, which is obviously <laughs> going to be the most terrifying part. <laughs> and um, then both both our spouses will, you know, divorce us because <laughs> we no longer can sleep. Um, I, I, I'm a bit concerned about. A it adaptation that doesn't have Tim Curry in it. Mm, he it's, was kind of defining. It does, but seem, I found that TV series with him in it terrifying. What was the what TV series was he in? Isn't that Tim Curry? No, man, he was in the movie It, oh. the movie, there the was, new one now. The new one is a, the new one is an all, is also a movie, but it's somebody else. Well, that It the movie with Tim Curry was actually yes. a miniseries, but they mm. they shot it as a movie as well. I promise you, go check it out. I'm not going to argue with you. But you're right, that was terrifying. That was terrifying. Tim Curry, one of the few people who's able to go from terror to mm. total hysterical laughter. Was Tim Curry the, the cardinal in Three Musketeers? He was the cardinal in Three Musketeers. I like that role. In he, he had a, a small-ish role, but kind of pivotal role in mm. a Sylvester Stallone movie called Oscar, I think. Ooh, it's, it's <clears> often <throat> slated as one of the worst movies, mate. It, it actually got but its I own little But I remember charm. enjoying it. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, look, don't look at it as a Sylvester Stallone film. It's one of those films which also shot like almost in one room. It's it's a farce. It's weird. Mm. It's an American farce. Mm. Um, it's got that whole British farce aspect of it, where it's one mm. house where people chaos keep happens. on showing up. People arrive mm. and people leave, and there's there's missed identities and things like right. that. 
uh, but it's but it's got that American kind of Tommy Gun aspect of right. it. Right. But it's it's it, I I really enjoy it. Mm. And Tim Curry, he 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 um he compliments the ladies' dip thongs, which she obviously takes in a very very strange <laughs> nice way. Nice dip thong. Like, I love your dip thongs. And he he would be able to pronounce that word so perfectly. Perfectly, yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I actually think he's a linguistics kind of tutor or something mm. in the movie. Um, but yeah, and obviously his his are def- oh, we talking defining things? Mm. The defining transsexual psychotic insane in brilliant rocky. musical in rocky horror mm. that's a to me is a defining musical it, uh, it didn't it didn't create the genre but it i think defined in, it. it but i think in many ways it, def, it defined the latter 20th century attitude towards musicals which was let's just fuck the shit right up <laughs> i and let me say i'm a huge fan of rocky horror mm. i'm a huge fan so i've got I. i've got that on videotape mm. blu-ray dvd I've got the like the yeah. the written adaptation. It's uh, one of those shows you just have fan. to see. I mean, if you haven't seen it, then it's you you you're a diminished individual. Correct, correct. You mm. haven't exposed yourself to all all things cultural. It, it's it's exceptional. I really really mm. think it was the, one of those few things where it was the right piece of art at the right time at the right place. Exactly. Um, I I've, I'm full of effusive praise yeah. for for Rocky Horror. Cool. So yeah, that's yeah. my that's my defining stage show of the last stage like fifty show. years. Oh, yeah, I'll go with that one. I don't I don't have another one to put in as no, an alternative. No, no. I think you pretty much knocked that one out. <laughs> so so talk to us about this incredibly cloudy. It, it Boston. Looks, what what New it's, England? It's New England IPA. So this, it does sound like they're just making this up as they go along. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that too. Mm. But a lot of breweries in New England and America have produced these. It's it's a more East Coast. IPA style. So there is a bit of a difference between East Coast versus West Coast IPAs. Like awesome, very much like Tupac versus Biggie. But yeah, it's, it's like that old, uh, you know. <laughs> that probably, old grudge. Mm, I can't believe no one's actually produced IPAs with those guys yeah. on it to, yeah, to capitalize. Yeah. But the, the New England ones tend to be maltier. They tend to not be as bitter. They tend to have a drier finish, where the West Coast IPAs are much more citrusy, much more face-melty. Kind of bitterness. I've got to tell you, this whole thing sounds very wanky to me. It's like, mm. let's do a Gauteng IPA <laughs> versus a Durban IPA. No. Well, no. in a way, it makes sense because I mean, the East Coast and West Coast of America are really far apart. You know, well, yes, but I mean, they re- really are. But I mean, Saturday, different time zones. Saturday Night Live shows on both mm. coasts within like four hours of each other. I don't, mm. you know, I, you know I'm, not, I'm not, I think there might be a bit of marketing mm. involved here. But nonetheless, the New England IPA looks almost unpleasantly hazy. I have never seen a beer like this. It's, mm. I, it's not the most pleasant thing I've ever looked it at. It doesn't look pretty, no. And it has almost no discernible aroma. Really? Really. I wouldn't agree with you there. I'm not smelling very much there at all. I'm getting some tropical notes. Maybe some pineapple. Mm. But it's more closed than the Blockhouse, for instance. Yeah. Made by the same brewery. Yeah. I did not expect it to taste like that. Mm. Very zingy. Very citrusy. Um, almost, there's almost a chili. Mm. Like a, a, spiciness. a spice in the middle. And there's definite grapefruit. Definitely, you, yeah. You, you could be forgiven to think that you're, you know, sucking on a grapefruit. Yeah, very much grapefruit. I, mm. I actually can't believe this tastes as nice as it does. Mm. The, the, I really didn't hold. No, the appearance is a bit off-putting, and, and a lot of critics of New England IPA say that, you know, it, it's not a pleasant-looking beer. So it, you're going to put people off when yeah. they put this in a glass. It looks like a poorly mixed brown cow. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some weird stuff going on in the glass, and the main reason for its haze is it's not filtered, obviously. 
Um, so you get quite a bit of yeast in the suspension, but it's also the additional adjunct um, malts they use, or, or rather grains they use. Um, in this particular case, it's oats. So they use flaked oats. Um, and this is a pretty common, um, often with New England IPAs, they either would use flaked oats or flaked wheat or both. And when you use the flaked versions of these um, grains, um, they they tend to create a lot of haze in your beer, especially if you don't filter it then afterwards. And so the oats here would also account for some of the smoother mouthfeel you're, you're finding. Mm, mm. There's a creamy, silkier... Yeah, there's definitely a bit creamier, yeah. yeah. Mm. Which is weird because it's a, it's a much looser head. There's not a lot of lacing. No. Um, but oats has a characteristic in beer to create a silky mouthfeel. Very sort of reminiscent, but not exactly the same as your nitrogenated beers, where you have that sort of silky mouthfeel. Yes, yeah, that kind of mm. dense foam, mm. that literal cream. And oats creates the same kind of mouthfeel. I'm, I'm kind of blown away by this. Mm. I'm kind of blown away. I did not expect mm. this. I so was this like, is Devil's Peak. I don't think I actually even mentioned the name yet. No, no, you did. Yeah, no, you Juicy said Lucy. Speak. Oh, Juicy Lucy. Devil's Peak Juicy Lucy. That has a weird childhood connotation to like <laughs> I know, shopping right? centers. And health, health, uh, yeah. health jangle juice. Yeah, when they were just inventing health. I know. I remember before they made some excellent food though. I, I, Juicy Lucy, yeah. yeah they I used to make uh, whole wheat rolls that were like, I remember before having, people knew what whole wheat rolls were. I remember having a beef and mustard whole wheat roll sandwich or something. That's like. right, yeah. 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 I'm. I'm very. I really thought you were pulling this out mm. of the magic box of beer <laughs> as like a counterpoint to all IPAs everywhere. Mm. It was like if you think you've tasted a nice IPA, now yeah. taste this, this piece one. of shit. Right. No, it's not. And this it's, is really, really, really good. It's very good. It's also six percent, just like Blockhouse. Mm. I mean, it, it's reminiscent of Blockhouse. I put it in the same ballpark. It 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 really doesn't drink like it looks. Mm. It it is so muddy. It is such a muddy complexion. Mm. No, it literally looks like something horrible went wrong. <laughs> it looks like grapefruit was mixed with milk and then, you know, poured down the drain. Mm, it's, it's, it's a it's, terrible there's way no, of There's no glamour here. No glamour. It's not even a nice Weizen haze. <laughs> no. It's a dirty haze. I can still see like... It's like dirty strings, dishwater. Strings, it's like dirty dishwater. That's exactly what mm. it looks like. It's like this is what the chefs and the, the bus boys drink after, <laughs> after the shift ended when they just scoop the yeah, dirty dishwater in a glass. With their hands. <laughs> They don't even bother with the label anymore. Mm. Um, What a lovely beer. If I was going to describe this to someone who'd never had, well, who'd never had this particular beer, but had an Mm. IPA, I Mm. would say it's a fruity IPA. Mm. That's what it tastes like. And maybe that's why they call it Juicy Lucy. It's it's very juicy. juicy. Mm. There's a a, a citrusy flavor to it. Pulp, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's reminiscent of the, the grapefruit kind of IPAs which are now coming out. Uh, which we're not tasting today, but there are a few out there. Uh, I was reading up on the the whole IPA style, and isn't grapefruit quite a standard um, mm. kind of flavor profile in Big IPAs? Time. A lot of the, the the hops used in American IPAs are very citrusy and very grapefruit in mm. flavor. The most common one is is called Cascade. Yes, that's um, the hops, and it's grown in the valleys of the Cascade Mountains, mm. hence the name. And that the Cascade hops is a very grapefruit forward. Tastes very similar to your ruby grapefruits and so on. But some of the others like Centennial and Chinook and those also have some grapefruit uh, you know, flavors. Yeah. But, but Cascade is sort of the iconic grapefruit forward hop. And I would hazard to say that there must be quite a bit of it in here in Juicy Lucy. And now all the sediment that's, that's mm. sitting in there, 
what's I mean? It's, okay, it's obviously unfiltered. There's some but, mop I mean, sediment because some... they dry hop it, and there's there would be some yeast sediment. Yeah, because of the the unfiltered nature of it, and then it's just the the sort of residue of your oat flakes and so on, which which create a haze kind of accumulate. Yeah. As a as an aside, mm. would it be possible to improve the appearance of the beer without changing the flavor profile? I'm not sure, and I, it's such a new style that I'm not really sure. I mean, a lot of people are even, you know, debating on how, you know, is this a new style? Is it different enough? Or you're just making shit up as you go along? You know, it, it, it would be a very easy way to find out. It's just to filter this beer and see what happens. Uh, Do you lose a lot of the flavor characteristic, or or, or is it exactly the same? It just mm. looks better. Mm. Um, certainly, the addition of oats and wheat to an IPA is, is not something you see a lot. Um, certainly, the addition of oats to a, a pale beer is uncommon because of the haze. Yeah. You, you, you find a lot of oatmeal stouts out there. Yeah, because you're not worried about the clarity. It, it doesn't affect the clarity mm. that much, and it creates that nice silky mouthfeel which people associate with things like Guinness yeah. without nitrogenating the beer. I would have to say it probably is kind of a new style, and, and I dig it. You know, yeah. it's not the first style I would pour in the glass for a new a new craft beer drinker because they might just see this and think, "Wow, yeah, this is super ugly." Yeah, I don't really. This doesn't look appetizing. Uh, Mad Giant, the guys up in yeah. Joburg, they've also now just brought out a New England IPA, which is only on tap at the brewery. It's not bottled or anything. It's only available on tap. But it's it's I kind of enjoy seeing the South African craft brewers really. Also jumping on some of these. No, bandwagons. sure. Get on the. No, Not all bandwagons are necessarily wrong. No, sure. And, and and also, it's only real way we're going to create that exposure, especially overseas, uh, hmm. is if if people see these uh, the styles we're doing that are comparable to the styles hmm. they're doing overseas, and if and if it becomes popular there, exactly. And we can get some kind of export going. Yeah. They're going to go. Oh, there's the there's the the what are they, hmm. what in New England IPA? Okay, cool. Well, hmm. I, that's what I like. I, I love the fact that we're introducing consumers to new happening stuff, you know, which is part of the crop you're seeing internationally. It, it shows, I think, an evolution of the industry mm. that a, a, a company like Devil's Peak can now bring out several, and they do. They've got the Juicy Lucy IPA. They've got another one called Strawberry Fields, mm. which has a strawberry IPA. Mm. They've got a grapefruit IPA. Um, they've got a black IPA on tap in their tap room. So and they're definitely hitching their rope to that particular horse. I love it. And and it's it's closer to what you see more commonly in American craft breweries where you kind of have to have more than one IPA to even mm. be considered viable. Mm. That the consumer there wants different IPAs. They they don't just want yeah, one. They want they want they want to be spoiled for choice. Mm. Where I think in South Africa it's more common to have several lagers maybe, like a Pilsner and a lager mm. and maybe like a black lager or, or whatever. Or probably more commonly one of every style. Yeah. That's much more common. I love the fact that people are bringing out more than one IPA now as as part of their normal production. I think it's only it's only going to be cool for us IPA heads. Mm. Um, it's lovely. Mm. I, I, again, yeah, I I, I almost feel like uh, apologizing for the knee jerk immediate hatred of this beer. <laughs> uh, it's it's mm. actually it's delicious. It's no, really no one delicious. can uh, no one can argue that it's a pretty looking beer in the glass. But it's it's no. it's a lovely beer. I, I suppose I would take a good tasting beer over a good looking beer any day. You said it. Yeah. Uh, weird enough, it's uh, after a while it kind of sit, the chili spice sits in your tongue a little bit. Mm. There's a different zinginess to this beer, which is different from the blockhouse. No. Yeah. Cool. So that's juicy, Lucy. 
I would say the blockhouse is my supermodel girlfriend, mm. while the Juicy Lucy is that weird slutty girl you pick up <laughs> at, the, at the club <laughs> no. and take her home. But she's willing no, to do we didn't just various, say that, man. various sexual things that your girlfriend won't do. You I'm know? certainly going to edit that out. <laughs> no, you will not. <laughs> <laughs> this beer is slutty enough for me. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. Mm. Next up. Next up. Let's go on. We're soldiering on here for you, dear listener, in the India Pale Ale. Yeah, we're doing all this for you. Yeah, we're doing all this for you. Thank you, for the team. And we've got another beer from the Western Cape. Um, unfortunately, I, I just by virtue of pure randomness, I uh, got a lot of Western Cape beers again. Um, and this one is from a brewery called Riot. Riot. They're in Woodstock. I've heard of the Riot. Riot's pretty cool. They've just recently changed their label design, so this is a very different looking beer. Where's a where's a Riot label? There's a, oh, a there, Riot. A, give it. Let me have a look at this. This is a different label. Mm, they used to have a much more detailed sort of graphic illustration label. Now they've gone for yeah, a much simpler very design. solid colors. Mm. Uh, and I spoke to Mark, who's the head brewer there, and he told me that uh, it was mostly because they realized that from a distance, their previous labels didn't really pop very nicely from a shelf. Mm. And, and mm, they, Common complaint. Yeah. And I think it's something to think about. I mean, it, you, you want a label which also stands out against a backdrop <sighs> of a shelf. Yeah. I mean, you know how I feel about this. I mean, you can also genericize your standing out to mm. a point where, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not saying that's it in this mm. particular case. Um, and the or the orange is really nice. I mean, I, I would look at that, but it also does look quite energy drinkish, which is a little no, bit of a concern. I haven't for thought me. of that. Yeah, but it, it could be mistaken for something like that. Sure. If you don't like Jimi Hendrix, don't drink this beer. I like that's that fair. Statement. That's fair warning. <laughs> mm. They've always been a little bit edgy with their, their text and their copy. Um, they say a flavor notes, guava and lychee with a grapefruit bitter finish. So the typical sort of tropical flavors you would expect yeah. from an American West Coast IPA. Um, and they've got 55 IBUs. So it's not massively high, but it, again... 55 IBUs, man. It's 55. There's too many IBUs. <laughs> too many IBUs in this beer. <laughs> We're going to take some IBUs back out again. <laughs> <laughs> that gorilla monsoon. <laughs> By God, he's broken him in half. He's got As a metal God chair. Is my witness. He's killed his spleen. <laughs> Things are deteriorating <laughs> rapidly here at, uh, on the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. Mm. IBU is great. But for for the homebrewers, again, another note: the IBUs alone is not the only story because it's it's really more about Another statistic, which is actually an incredibly important one to to be familiar with, if you want to start being better at brewing beer, is your bitterness ratio. So bitterness ratio mm, is mm. a measure of the the ratio of malt to hops, and mm-hmm. and so the IBUs is just a, a measure of the bitterness of the hops you've put in the beer. But it doesn't give you an indication of how that's offset by the sweetness in exactly. the malt. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. So. So 55 IBUs is a little bit low, actually, for a, a typical modern uh, IPA. Unless which, there isn't a lot of maltiness exactly. in which... Oh, and, and so your bitterness ratio this could beer be... This beer thing is super easy. I, I know, man. Got this you're, fucking you're just down. Dirty. You've got it down. I've got this man. down. I'm going to brew a beer. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, so, so a 0.5 bitterness ratio would mean there's a, there's a balance almost equal of hops mm. and, and um, malt. Where your bitterness ratios of 0.8 to 0.9 to even one mm. would be more characteristic of your IPAs. Okay. 
Um, so we don't know, obviously, the, the winnings ratio of this beer, but I would expect from tasting it that it's pretty high because this is not a... Because mm, at 55 IBUs, you're expecting not much maltiness to offset that ratio. Sure. Yeah. 5.9% alcohol. Mm-hmm. It looks like a lot of these South African IPAs hover around the around that close mark, to yeah. 6% level. Yeah. I do like the text, though, I have to say. I mean, the Jimi Hendrix, the... Yeah, I mean, it's uh, what I like about it is it seems very human. It's very personal, mm. you know? And that's it's not yeah. like we brew this from the things that came out of the ground. <laughs> it's like, if you don't fuck, if you don't like us, then fuck you. If exactly. you don't chew Big Red, then fuck you. <laughs> he broke him in half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's lovely, I like, like that. I like that. Lovely little statement, and this is their, I think this is sort of their brewery strap line, is if you're not careful, you'll end up ordinary. I like that a lot. Mm, and the stylized R. Mm. Um, so what do you think? What do you, what do you think, Marcel? Again, a very ha- uh, sort of typically hazy yeah. straw color again. Kind of what we've started to expect, yeah? Not very much on the nose. No. Also a bit close like the Juicy Lucy was. But real Moorish bitterness here. Mm, there's a... There's a very cereal taste, like a, a very kind of, like a cornflakes mm. almost. I mean, not an unpleasant cornflakes, right. like a like a like no, a nice not honey, honey nut, if you know what I mean. Yeah, mm. it's a bit honeyed. I like mm. that, and it's, that might be because of the hops they use. It might be because of the malt. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't really know what they've used here. <coughs> um, I know they they tend to favour a lot of the imported American hops for this particular beer. Um, they actually a side business there of riots is to bring in hops for craft brews in oh, general. Right. So they've got good access to hops. Um, I'm not picking up a lot of the lychee and the guava, but I'm no. certainly picking up a lot of the grapefruit. Yeah, but that that grapefruit does seem to be kind of a standard. Mm. But yeah, the rest of the fruits I'm not necessarily getting. Um, it, it's also not as can I say full bodied as I expected it to be. Yeah, it's much lighter. It's in a body. little bit lighter in body. This is this is very similar to me to the Californicator we had when we yeah. did the the Californicator versus Tomahawk showdown. Showdown. Um, it's more in the lighter spectrum of IPAs, lighter body. It's certainly got a lot of bitterness though. I mean, it it fills your mouth. It it starts building up a little bit on mm. the tongue with each sip. So there's mm. no um, slouching here. Yeah, with, yeah, they're not putting punches on the bitterness. It's not a faux pie. No, it's not a faux pie. No, no, it's we've, not a faux pie. We've yet to hit one of those today. You might come uh, close soon. I can see that steely <laughs> glint in your eye. This is this is very nice. It it it, it seems it feels lighter. It mm. feels more open. It feels like a crisper, um, in a fruity way beer, um, mm. and it doesn't it doesn't seem to punch on the bitterness as much. Yeah. But that might be how they've offset mm. offset against the, sure. the those flavors. It doesn't um, have the, the the fruity tropical juiciness which we found in the juicy in the juicy juicy. I think. juicy oh. Um, for me, the Juicy Lucy is maybe a little bit more compelling. But the, the Riot does the job of a solid IPA. I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Mm. I'm pleasantly surprised. And they've also they've won awards for this beer. They, they often come out as, as sort of um, people's choice in festivals and so on. Like Miley Cyrus. They're the Miley Cyrus of beers. <laughs> I'm not sure they're like that. <laughs> If you say that, not man. with the Jimi Hendrix uh, reference. We'll I never suppose. get invited. Now we're no, never going to invite to ride brew. Okay, damn it! A decapitated Miley Cyrus. I like that. Traveling yeah. on a stagecoach, <laughs> bleeding, <laughs> bleeding desperately. Mm. I, I think I think, I think it's very very nice. I, it's very, very I, I nice. like their their idea behind the brewery, which is to break boundaries, to push boundaries, 
Speaking of which, Matt, yeah. what would you say is a groundbreaking sci-fi movie? Oh, man. Which redefine everything we thought we knew about science fiction. Man, you, you see, you get the, the obvious answer. We which all know what, what the obvious 2001. answer is. 2001. 2001. That's the obvious answer. Mm. Then you get the second obvious answer for those people who have watched movies. Yes. Okay? <laughs> for those people who have actually watched anything before I 1960. Detect, I detect some irony in what you're no, saying. <laughs> no, no, because you do know that there's people who think that kind of sci-fi mm. started in 1969. Sure. Metropolis by Fritz Lang is mm. the benchmark. I mean, it, it created the world in which True. special effects could take place. We're going deep now. Here no, we are, we are going lore. deep. But, but mm. I'm going to pull back now because I don't mm. think that mm. either of them were necessarily defining mm. factors. All mm. right? So I'm going to give you two answers. So you're, you're applying the rhythm method to your uh, <laughs> science fiction I'm, I'm watching. out <laughs> until you don't expect it anymore and then I'm putting it back in again. Um, I, I think there the are... The, from a sci-fi point of view, mm. I think a movie that changed the way that a lot of people thought about sci-fi and a lot of uh, the way that a lot of people made sci-fi films was the original Tartovsky's uh, uh, Solaris. Oh, right. The, the, mm. the Russian the original director. One. The original one. All right. Mm. It's a moody study. I mean, it's that's a, a difficult one to get hold of. No, it's very difficult. You have mm. to, you know, you have to, talk, you have to pirate it. Right, I, I have right. yet to find it in a video shop. Yes. I've yet to. I mean, maybe it's on Netflix. Mm. I don't have Netflix. I just want to say that that we do not endorse pirating at this. No, podcast. certainly not. Certainly um, not. Even though Matt has just told you to do that. No, what I what I do endorse <laughs> is if the studios don't make it in any no, way possible course. for you of to course. consume the popular culture mm. you want to consume, then pirate mm. it for sure. <clears throat> so I, I think in in a, in the way in which it changed the way that people looked at sci-fi in a cerebral terms. Mm. Then I think I think Solaris yeah, was, it was a like very moving on just the 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 sort of gadgety. Yeah, it wasn't Buck pop. Rogers, you know. Mm. It wasn't like these laser guns and this and this. Mm. It was a it was a spiritual reflection mm. on consciousness mm. and humanity and, mm. and you know. And I think that was important, especially for the time in which it was made, especially in the culture in which it was made, yeah. which kind of blew open a lot of doors. Mm. So I, so I, I, you know, for me, the defining feature of sci-fi is about asking questions. Mm. Uh, those what ifs yeah, yeah. and I think the original Solaris and you know to a lesser extent I don't really want to diss Soderbergh I think that his version mm. of it was very very good I just yeah. think it had all been done before and it put it into a cerebral uh, context which is different from just the sort of pulpy if you put Laz in front of something it becomes sci-fi exactly you know, like, exactly like uh, the, yeah. the, the L. Ron Hubbard school yeah. of sci-fi sure. and some people would even argue that Star Wars is like that because Star Wars could have been a western it sure. could have been Sure. An epic historical fiction. Absolutely. But Star Wars has nostalgia on its mm. side, so we don't get to argue about that. No, sure. Um, I think what, what's, what, for me, Star Wars made revolutionary, and, and that's why I would put it in the ballpark, is that it was the first dirty sci-fi. Like grunge Everything is, yeah, everything is broken. Mm. They have to, like, hit the Millennium Falcon to get it started To make it again. work, yeah. You have to jumpstart it. And yeah. up to then, we, we, were, we were, like, more familiar with Star Trek, where the future is gleaming clean yeah, everything yeah. works all the time yeah. there's no dirt yeah. everyone's you know looks like they've just stepped out of central casting yeah um so i, I enjoy the grungy version of sci-fi which star wars brought to the screen yeah yeah I, I think that is also something that was very important for that kind of late 70s early 80s period where you got that transition of sci-fi mm. not being about gleaming cubes yeah. and and uh, that wasn't a skateboard reference uh, and uh, you know everything <laughs> well, flying at light speed, but I mean we got some mm. seminal films during that kind of nineteen what's nineteen seventy five to nineteen eighty five. Mm. Let's say those ten years. Um, you had films like Blade Runner, 
yeah. all right? Which, which would which, be on the top of, or close to the top of my list of seminal oh, without groundbreaking sites. Without a doubt. Mm. Um, but it dirtied up mm. Earth. You yeah. know, it kind of said, in, in mm. I mean, what's it? I think it's set in 2020 or something yeah. like Things that. Things are not necessarily going to be nice. In no, the it's going to be fucking shit. There's going to be yeah. acid rain and mm. the shit doesn't work all mm. the time. I mean, you you look at the retro scanner he uses. You know, it's kind of yeah. like he's like, and it takes twenty shit. minutes to fucking mm. do anything. So, so I mean, so we're looking at Blade Runner. You're looking mm. at Alien, the original Alien. Also, scary space. Scary space, but I mean, mm. they work on a mining ship. Yeah, they're you know, basically truckers in space. There's fucking there's chains hanging from the <laughs> ceiling in the spaceship, and they're talking more about whether they're going to get their bonus exactly versus the 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 glorified sort of everything is amazing in absolutely. space. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's it's dirty, it's grungy, it's horrific, it's mm. horrible. Mm. These people are human beings, and they're living in dirt and strife. Yeah. And I, I think, especially for that kind of pre-Reaganomic mm. uh, economic era. Mm. That was important if for. Only for they knew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If only you'd known 30 years later, back, like, <laughs> we are rose tinted glasses, if anything. Mm. I, would, I would put mine. I mean, I like your Solaris one. Yeah. Um, I'm not as cultured as you when it comes to sci fi, so I wouldn't put that up there. And, but mine would be uh, Silent Running. Oh, go fuck yourself. Silent Running. Oh, oh what a. No, I, yeah. It's going to be difficult for me to disagree with you, but give me your give me your. The, the reason I say that is, for me, up to that point, I had watched sci-fi pretty much, which which represented that sort of pulp, mm. even Star Trek. You know, Star Trek yeah. is at high adventure in space. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, you know, Captain Kirk, you know, kicking ass and taking names. Yeah, and and Star Wars the same, but Silent Running was this brooding, quiet. Mm. Dramatic movie, almost nothing sci-fi really happens in the story. Mm. Everything's set in space on these spaceships, and this is mm. this last custodian of of the last trees, the last rainforest. Yeah, yeah which they have in these yeah. little bulbs on the spaceship, and then these these guys basically say, "No, like the corporation has decided to get rid of them, and yeah. he, he he rebels against it." Yeah. So it's this deeply sort of ecological yeah. drama, and, and I think that that in itself it was mm. a first for that. I mean, yeah. can you think of? Deeply ecological stories before 1980, 1990 not really. even. Not really. And I mean, what is Silent Running? 1976 or something? Yeah, like that? it's in the 70s. It's a, that's a long time mm. ago, you know? Um, I mean, it was revolution. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't seen it in quite some time, so it may have aged quite a bit. But what, what made me reflect on sci-fi was that movie because it, it mm. made me think, you know, sci-fi is really about core issues of human beings. Asking questions, man. That's what makes sci-fi so amazing Asking to me. Asking questions. It, in using the the sort of anything goes mm. um, plot lines of sci-fi, you can mm. actually reflect very deeply on the human condition. Yeah, yeah. And I think Silent Running does that. Yeah, very much so. Uh, you know that that kind of isolationist story. It's been done a couple mm. of times before. I mean, I think most notably by um, Moon by Duncan Jones. Oh, lovely, lovely. Movie. Um, be- beautiful film, mm. like really, really nice. Oh, and what a, a lovely and movie. an interesting little twist, and you know, like an, a, a, a oh. good compact form. You know, but also I think low budget. Low budget, yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, Silent Running was Douglas Trumbull again. Mm. Um, so, you know, probably knows how to make the greatest special effects out of like 40 <laughs> bucks and some toilet paper. <laughs> Styrofoam. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, no, I, look, I agree with you on Silent Running. It's a very touching film. It's a very it's a very dark mm. film at the end of the day. Um, but it kind of heralded this kind of doom. Mm. Very dystopian I, vision of yeah, the future. Yeah, of the future, mm. Absolutely. Uh, which, it seems like we're living it. Which, moment. yeah, welcome to the dystopian <laughs> future that your your parents yeah. warned you about. I mean, you we know? live in the alternative facts future of 1984. Yeah, alternative facts. Yeah, I remember those mm. things. Uh, anyway, we, all right. So we've done we've done we've done movies. 
Yeah, we've also done Riot. Riot's Valve. We've done Riot. IPA, by we've the way, Riot. that's the name of the IPA. It's Valve. A lovely, lovely beer. So um, I guess the summary for us is it's it's. I feel that's like a solid middle of the road, not middle of the road, solid representation of an IPA. Doesn't compromise. If we now we now had a few, where would you put everything in a sort of rank order so far? What's number one? Um, is Blockhouse still number one? Or is Juicy Lucy edging it out? I think Devil's Peak have fucked themselves in this particular situation. <laughs> I think they have caused themselves some trouble here. Mm. Um, I think from a pure surprise on flavor and and really stimulating my palate mm. in a new and exciting way, I think the Juicy Lucy might just have pipped the uh, the Blockhouse. Right. Yeah, I think that might be my favorite IPA of the day. I I agree with you. I think I think absolute nose a nose only. Yeah. But Juicy Lucy's ahead of of Blockhouse, which is then sort of ahead of. And then I I'm not sure. The citizen versus uh, the riot. I I like the Saboteur simply because it's so different, and it's I think it would be somewhat easier to pair with different kinds of foods. Um, so at the moment, I would actually put the Valve and the Saboteur almost at the same place as a joint yeah. third position. I mean, it would be difficult for me to choose either one. Yeah. I, well, despite my natural distrust for those bastards at uh, mm, Citizen. I know. Fucking motherfuckers. <laughs> we love you, Citizen. Um, Don't listen to me. <laughs> I, I think I'll probably, <laughs> again, buy a nose. Buy a nose. What? I will, uh, the, the Citizen. Citizen is getting just buy yeah, I think so. I think so. Although, <clears throat> if if I somehow knew that I wouldn't get any other American IPA, obviously then I would be worried because for me, yes. I'm not a I'm, the English IPA style for me. Even though it's historically and nostalgic significance is un, undisputed, I I prefer personally the American style IPA. Yeah. I like their boldness. I like yeah. the citrus flavors. Um, you know, I like that sort of style of sure, beer. sure. Uh, yeah, I, I I do like the the more complex beers, mm. and it's probably not a not a flaw of their thinking that both Saboteur and Valve are yeah. possibly less challenging beers. Mm. Mm. They are they they're both delicious. Um, it's more a case of my palate says if I'm drinking an IPA, I expect to be challenged on that fact, for and, sure. uh, and that's why mm. that I, I Devil's Peak are obviously brewing for people like me. got a next IPA here, which is uh, a brewery whose beers we have reviewed in the past uh, called Red Rock Brewing Company. They are in Johannesburg. They are... Josie represent! Josie! Well, we'll see if they represent. If they're representing or not. Um, again, label... I mean, your, your last comment on their 9-inch ale was that yeah. it was a lovely uh, bottle. Mm. And mm. they've got the Red Rock stamped into the bottle. Yeah, which I really, really like. 340 mils. Very, very cool. Um, yeah. So they're not doing the 440, which is more common. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's got it's called Firebird IPA. And there's like the whole phoenix. And there's a phoenix rising. Which is a, a beautifully designed as well. I like the fonts they've mm, used. Clear. Very clear, very clean. Um, mm. yeah. 4.25 alcohol, which does worry me just a little. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you, a little, is, little on the light side? Uh, a little bit on the light side there. 
Um, and they say here, Firebird IPA was created to capture the essence and freedom of driving along uh, on an open road on a smooth summer evening <laughs> in an American icon. I um, I always get super distressful about beers that kind of compare themselves <laughs> to things where you need to drive down the open road. Because yeah. I'm like, because was normally if I'm driving down the open road after drinking a beer, I'm going to get fucked up and True. like I'm going to be plowing into traffic. Well, the sheriff's going to uh, yeah, pull you over. Yeah, yeah, and then I'm then then it's like a deliverance situation, you know? And it's like <laughs> nice mouth you got there, oh, boy. A real pretty mouth. I'm going to put my dick in it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Your mouth looks like a beautiful flower. I want to pick that flower and put my penis in that flower. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bougainvillea without the thorns. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so, so just, a, just a general comment from this podcast to everyone listening mm. is don't take the metaphors for drinking beer and driving down a no. American highway seriously. Yes. Also, this podcast is not safe for work, not safe for life, and not safe for your children. <laughs> not safe for anybody. Um, so, they're clearly, the Firebird is, is a car, I presume, right? It's the Firebird. Trans Am. Isn't it Trans Am Firebird? Maybe. Trans Am does have the bird mm. logo. They've got the big Firebird on yeah. the bonnet, usually. Well, didn't the Camaro also have a bird? Might be the Camaro. I can't remember. Mm. All right. American culture. Mm. I mean, what are you supposed to do? And they also talk about their speciality patented hop gun. Huh? Which extracts the maximum aromatics for a unique hoppy sensation with perfect bitterness. So hop guns are... Um, that's a, that immediately sounds wanky, I've got to tell you. No, hop guns are, are a thing. It's it's usually... It's an instrument you can use to impart more hop flavor into your beer, usually between the... Um, the chill cycle and the fermenter cycle. So you, you would usually pass the beer through some fresh hops, which is stacked into a sort of a column, and that's called the hop gun. I don't... Uh, yeah, okay. It's a sort of stainless steel tube. And it, what drops, and hops. it drops hops. No, it's got hops in it already. Yeah. And so you would pump the beer from your... Uh, so the gun yeah. is actually shooting beer through the hops rather than indeed. shooting hops through indeed, the beer. Indeed. Okay, all right. And all so, right. so you, would, you would pump that beer often either before or after it enters the chiller, depending on how much bitterness you want to extract. Is it effective? I mean, it sounds like an enormous waste of hops. No, it, it, it is very effective. And um, the Drift uh, Scallywag IPA, which we've had yeah, on the which, show yeah, before, which, yeah. uses that technique. It's it's a way of extracting more flavor from hops rather than more bitterness. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, mm. that's a fair comment. Cause... And you can also use fresh hops as opposed to the hop pellets, which has a slightly more subtle flavor um, than the pelleted hops. Yeah, because they're not compressed bitterness into sure. like one square kilometer. No, a lot of breweries, especially craft breweries, use hop guns to impart more flavor. So why do they say that it's their own patented? Well, it's probably the design of the hop gun itself. Ah, okay, um, they didn't like invent the hop gun. No, no, no. I, I'm not really even sure who invented the hop gun, but these guys obviously uh, have a unique design. I assume it was my uncle. Probably. He invented a lot of stuff. It probably is Yes, patents uncle. all over. Yep. Heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uncle Johnny, shout out. What do you think, Matt? Appearance-wise, um, appearance very similar to all the other IPs over so far. Yeah, except I would say it's a lot lighter. A I think it's lighter. a lot more lagery in appearance. Yeah, but um, there's also slight haze. Yeah, slight haze. And that would come from the hop gun. Again, uh, yeah, again, it's that, that hop situation. Um, it really does look a lot more lagery. Yeah, it's it does. The, even the head has got a very it lager head. Scent. The aroma is very yeah. not, not very IPA-ish. No. Maybe more floral. Slight floral notes here. Um, there certainly is a bitterness on the taste. 
but not not, not like an IPA bitterness. Not, no. I mean, this if you had told me this was a a bit of a it's an African take on Pilsner. This doesn't taste like an IPA mm. in any way. No, it's like a bitter lager, maybe. Or just a regular lager, it's been Or just a regular lager, yeah. Not so much malt, but, but also not so much hops. And the bitterness has no flavor. It's got that flat... It kind of just dies in you. It's almost like they've used um, hop extract instead of actual hops. Because that's what you get from hop extract. It's, it's a very flat bitterness, which bitters there's no, out there's the no, Yeah, there's no depth to it, you know? But there's no depth. So, Matt. 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 Yes. Could this be... In any way, shape, or form, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the registered trademark, 2016, 2016 Matt Bezling, Bezling This is not a. This is not an IPA. This is a. This mm. is an IPA in label only. This, this is a FOPA. This is a FOPA. This is exactly. I mean, I, I'll about. give it to them. This might be the quintessential FOPA in the sense that this defines the an very enti- category you invented. Yeah, an entire substyle, quite possibly. Mm. I mean, and the weird thing is, it's not a terrible beer. Mm. Like, I, I, don't actually, I don't actually, yeah, you know, I could drink this beer. So you hand, this beer if I'd you hand like, oh. the beer to someone and say, just have this. Yeah, they'd go, oh, They'll thanks. drink it and go, okay, yeah, this that is was, beer. That was a nice lager. Thanks, mm. thanks for bringing me that strange tasting mm. lager. I mean, this, this would really mess with you. If we, I mean, we are probably going to have a blind tasting show where we try and identify beers simply by tasting them. Yeah, I think we can. Comp- and this would mess with you because you would taste this and you'd think, Okay, what is this? Is this is this castle? No, it's not castle. I, I think we could comprehensively say mm. that no one is going to, in a blind taste tasting, Mm-mm. call this an IPA. Yeah, it's it's like someone decided to make the IPA. The brewer was reluctant. <laughs> yeah, he was like, uh, "Sure, I'll make an IPA." Except I've got this recipe mm. I've been working on for 20 years. And or I'm or make maybe all the hops you wanted to put in the beer was just too expensive, so I was going to just like put in half that. I don't. Yeah, maybe there was some sort of scuffle. So there was some politics. There was some politics. People got hurt. People got hurt. Mary Jane got stabbed. There was probably some sort of fight, fist fight. There was definitely a fist fight over the kettle. Yeah, and some of the blood fell into the kettle. I think. I think the the guy who wanted the IPA was like wrestling to throw the entire bag of hops <laughs> into the kettle. So this is like Game of Thrones in the brewery. Exactly. The the brewer was like, you need him in the groin. He dropped the bag of hops. Some of the hops fell into the kettle, and they decided, okay, let's just call it quits before it gets ugly. You have a vivid and disturbing fantasy world that you I live think in. so, yes. Well, welcome to Hopper World. Welcome to Hopper World. <laughs> it's nice here. Um, I, I, yeah, uh, it, uh, really, guys, don't call this mm. an IPA. It's a nice beer, but it's not mm. an IPA in any way, shape, It's a nice beer in the sense that it's very middle of the road, but it's not a nice beer in the sense that I would go out of my way to buy it. Well, I suppose I'm coming from the perspective where I was going, holy shit. Marcel's leaving this for last. This is going to be the worst beer I've ever tasted. Mm, mm. Uh, This is going to be like the anti IPA. Yeah. This is going to be like a a cider that was made in someone's bottom. Mm. But no, this is it's a a legitimate beer. You know, it it actually is a beer, but Mm. like it's just mislabeled. It's just mislabeled. I mean, it should never have been called an IPA. So unfortunately, Red Rock, you missed the boat on this one. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Right. So do do we? I'm sure we've got one more IPA in the box. We do. I'm we sure we've got one more. I know that we want one more. Cool. So what is our last one? Our last one is, I thought we would end it off with something which is not a American IPA, nor is it an English IPA, which are the two main styles. So this is what you might want to call a European IPA. It's, it's, more, it's more the continent, and it's, it's brewed in Bavaria. And they say on the bottle, this is our 
Bavarian take on an American IPA, which is interesting. And for those of you who haven't guessed yet, this is by a brewery which we've featured before on the show. It's And Union. And Union. And Union. Or Brewers and Union. Or Brewers and Union. I think they've changed the name now to just And Union. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's AndUnion.com is their website. Oh, God, I feel old. I know. And it's 10 weeks brewing time, like most of their brews are quite slow. This is the Friday Uber IPA. Uh, can I, sorry, before we even get started on this, mm. before we get started on any of this stuff, yeah, yeah. and I don't know whether I've made it clear in, in mm. previous way, I think, which uh, which was the last uh, Bruising Union we had? We did have one of them. Anyway, I, I'd, I, I get, I'm so annoyed by their, their names. I'm so annoyed. I thought you liked them. I hate them. Previously, I, I'm pretty sure you told me no, you liked those names, man. No, no, they've become so twee. Like, hmm. it's kind of like, what does Friday mean? What is because they, they, they got it's a the, beer you have on Friday, no, man. No, but no, but that doesn't describe anything. There's a Friday, a Saturday, <laughs> there's a Sunday. I know that. Yes. There's like a Wednesday, I think. I don't fucking know. I don't think they have a Wednesday. They, well, they've got fucking they've got all these things. It's impossible to keep track, mm. and I, it doesn't tell me anything about the beer. Right. And I think this might be a branding decision on their part, mm. where they're trying to abstract your like or love of the beer from the style of the beer. So they don't want you to go, oh, I love IPAs or mm. I love Amber Ales. They want you to go, I love Saturdays or I love Sundays. This is a marketing decision. I'm certain of it and it's annoying to me. Okay. That's a good take on it. So let's, uh, let's drink some. Nonetheless. Let's drink some Friday. Friday. I can't, I can't, be, I'm, 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 I don't want to be, sound like super critical here. No, I'm, I'm willing to, to, you know, meet you halfway here because it is a little bit, it's lazy, man. It's lazy. It's I lazy. Mean, that's what I was going to say. It's a bit lazy to name your beers after the days of the week. Yeah, come on, man. Like, we can all do that. Mm. Um, and But there's nothing wrong with the primary branding. No. They've stuck. Certainly not. And they've established that mm. over like a decade. So, yeah. you know, good job on that. And they've they've kept the styling. They've kept mm. the, the coloring. It was all in the same palette. And the foil. Let's not forget the foil. The foil. Absolutely. Um, the <laughs> that, font. That foil. I love that foil. You <laughs> seem to have a weird <laughs> sexual attraction to that bottle. I'm, I'm, maybe you should put that down. Um, no, their branding's on point, and I, I won't, I won't deny that. I just, I, I, it just seems almost like a shameful abuse of their position right. for them to be calling decided we can Friday, Saturday, essentially and just start owning yeah. the days of the exactly, week. exactly. Mm. And and I, in a way, I think it kind of genericizes them, and I don't think they deserve that. I think they. They're really good brewers, and they mm. make really nice beers, and I mm. think they could be a little bit more creative about it. No, sure. Um, the aroma for me is what I would characterize as typical <sighs> European or English IPA. Yeah. Yeah, the dankness mm. is back. The, the kind of mm. dankness fruitiness. The, but the, not citrus. But not citrus, yeah. It's more stone fruit and sort of herbaceous qualities here. I'm getting more of that guava that we were missing from that True. other one, you know? Yeah, there's got some guava going on here. To the listeners, that sound is Matt inhaling the Sorry, entire that's, beer. That's me sniffing yeah, it. Yeah. It's a new way of drinking beer through your nostril. I'm told I'm not allowed to take a can anymore. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with beer. No, it's quite... And also mandarin. There's a lot of mandarin, um, orange zest. Mm. And that is actually a, a German hop, which has um, been it's some sort of cross between different hops. But it's... Uh, I think it's actually called mandarin hops or something like that. CBC, another uh, German-style brewery in South Africa, has their own IPA, which is called Mandarin, which has got this hop. Tasted there. the Mandarin, yeah. Mm. And it, it definitely has that Mandarin dried orange peel flavor. Also hazy, suggesting some dry hopping yeah. going on. 
Although their beers are all unfiltered, so it's not always easy to... Yeah, they even have a beer called Unfiltered because they're so fucking on the nose. <laughs> Come Matt, on, man. Matt has just become super <laughs> negative about <laughs> Brewers and Union. There. No, no. <laughs> Things have gone ugly. I like their beer. They, I, know, I know I like their Next beer. Next episode, Matt, in a cage fight against <laughs> the head brewer of Brewers and Union, you've heard it here first. No, man, stop being lazy, fuckers. Um, uh, yeah, it's very similar kind of clarity, mm. uh, a bit of cloudiness. It's a very similar uh, color, that kind of amber caramel. Um, probably more on the caramel mm. side, less less reddish. Look, it's got an unmistakable orange mandarin type of flavor for me as well. There's, I think there's a far more on the flavor on the tongue than there is on the nose. Mm. It's got, I mean, it's got slight medicinal notes to me, which I've always picked up in Friday. And I, I don't think it's a flaw, but I think it's a... The function of putting that much of that hop into a beer. Yeah, I don't think it's medicinal. Mm. Medicinal? Medicinal? Medicinal. Medicinal? That's a totally different thing. Jesus Christ. I don't think it's medicinal. <laughs> Jesus, did I just say it again? <laughs> I want a medicinal eel, boy. No, I'm mad you got there. I don't think it is medicinal. Yes. I don't think it's medicinal. Um, It's more kind of the astringency is coming from a kind of, uh, you know, when you... From the alcohol. It's mm. more an alcoholic mm. astringency than anything else. Yeah, there's a bit of booziness here. And, and actually, this is well spotted, man. This is the most alcoholic of the IPAs we've tried. It's 6.5%. Mm. No, that might be where it comes from. Mm. It's not unpleasant. It's got a, a, a probably a more cloudy uh, flavor. Um, not as, um, you know, the bitterness isn't as mm. clean. Mm. Uh, it, does, it's, it does sit around a little bit more. It's a yeah. little bit more dense. I mean, certainly closer in, in, in flavor profile to the Sabbatier. Yes, that's actually a very good comparison, mm. yeah. So it's got that European IPA thing going on. And I think a lot of the, I suspect this has probably got some of that Mandarin hops, and it's probably got some Hallertauer German hops in it or something like that. So there's the herbaceous earthiness. I, I, yeah, it's good. I like It's almost like I'm wishing out for it just to be a bit cleaner, just mm. a little bit, a little bit tighter. Yeah. Not a bad beer. Not, not a bad, a bad beer, beer at all. I mean, it's brewers. What are you, mm. you going to do about it? It's yeah, a, not flawed. Not flawed in good. any way. But uh, satisfying. I mean, it, it certainly is an IPA. It's not a faux PA. No, no, no. It's got, it's got plenty no, it's of hops got here. Lots of hops in it. I mean, we've probably started like forgetting to talk about how much hops is in mm. this thing. It's definitely bitter. Um, probably less bitter than the Blockhouse. Yeah. Um, you, you get more of the maltiness here. Mm. But you can also see that in the color. I mean, it's a much, it's a, it's a maltier color than. I mean, there's also look. Let's face it. There's a lot of um, that kind of hops fatigue after drinking six IPAs. Look, I mean, we, we're courageous people. We, we <laughs> again, we're Did taking one for you, listener. For you. Yeah. Um, Friday, Friday, a good beer. Good beer. Not a great beer. Mm. Wouldn't wouldn't classify it up mm. there. But if someone had to buy you this, you wouldn't no. run away screaming. No, certainly not. Certainly not. Uh, it, it's it's weird being a total, absolute fucking amateur non-brewer mm. of any kind. I know what I would like this beer to be. Mm. Like I can, I know how my mouth wants this beer to be, and right. it's not quite it's not quite reaching it. Yeah, you know. but it's again brewers. It's mm. like you feel like a dick uh, criticizing brewers. You know, they've, like, they've oh, done well here in South like, Africa, and they've they're like Jesus and Nazareth and. Those things, yeah. <laughs> Those things, sorry. Religious <laughs> references. That's it for the IPAs. Um, did we... Okay. So We've exhausted we, our supply of IPAs. Did we, did, uh, did we do a final... Well, let's do a final roundup. So I think we're in... I think we're in... 
agreement that mm. the Juicy Lucy is winning today. I'm going to say, yep. yeah, Juicy Lucy number one for me as well. Okay. Blockhouse number two. Blockhouse number two. Okay. Citizen number three. Yeah. yeah. I would give them the three position and then then it would be Riot. Yeah. And then maybe... But maybe, maybe, like, maybe it's like one of those cycling mm. situations where they're both sprinting for the line. Could have been either one. And either one could mm. have taken... Okay. All right. Yeah. So, okay. That's cool. And then <clears throat> bringing up the rear, but not by no means... Poorly is it's a Friday. strong field, hey. It's a strong mm, field, very strong field. Let's face it. I mean, these uh, these are very, very good beers. My bears are the real winner here today, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, your mm. bottle store is the real winner mm. here today. Let's face it. They totally won. Yeah. They won hands down. Mm. Um, it's it's weird, hey. Like, uh, haven't I mean, been... obviously, Firebird is dead last in such a loss. Oh, yeah. It's it's the sort of thing where the They've already Fire taken bird. down the banting. Yeah, yeah. The it's like been removed. it's Simon Pegg in Run Fat Boy Run. Mm, it's like mm. he arrives twelve hours afterwards, but people exactly. still clap because yeah. you know, guys, you're you're trying, you're exactly. trying. But the man. people clapping are not even the people who, who went there for the no, no, no. no. They, 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 they just they're incidental they're passerbys. They're, yeah. they're hobos, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's a branding issue more than it is a beer issue. I'm not sure. I mean, they they branded IPA. These are brewers. They know what IPA means. So anyway, it's, it's the wedding. For Godot of IPA. <laughs> it's nothing like that, and you know. We're waiting for the hops. I, I, look, I'm, 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 I'm quite impressed. I mean, we've, we've pulled out, let's say, the top four, right? Mm, mm. Um, without having an extensive experience of overseas IPAs, sure. the American IPAs, mm. uh, whatever's happening in the, in the English craft scene, those are four delicious beers. Mm. Beautiful beers. Really top-notch, mm. unflawed, mm. really, uh, in many ways challenging at the same time as being mm. quite delicious. So I think so that's... So African craft beer is moving along. You know, I, I, you've got to give it to able to, them, to man. produce that sort of IPA quality. Yeah. We're in a good space. Yeah. Kudos to pretty much all the breweries mm. in this thing. Um, but we would we would strongly suggest to yeah. Red Rock breweries that they look carefully at their, <laughs> at their style guidelines. And their branding. Yeah. And branding and, yeah. and all those things. So, so to finish off, Marcel, last words for uh, this particular yes. episode? Big thank you to Tiger yes. for the music. Yes, thank you, Tiger. Which thank we've been you, enjoying. Tiger. And it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a different kind of band. Yeah, yeah, it is different. But it's also probably a good thing that we listen to different stuff. Um, we wouldn't mind seeing some music from the Western Cape. So if you are a band and you're listening to this podcast and you're from the Western Cape, send us some. Yeah. It's Cape Town music. I assume it happens. I'm assuming it. Thank you to Tiger, shout out. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll leave their details in the show notes if you want to know more about it. Thank you to the Fudge Providers, which was Shelly yes. Shelly what? Shelly what? Cheryl Amy Jones. Cheryl Amy Jones. Thank you very much, Cheryl Amy Jones, in yeah. um, in North Riding. For sure. Go and check it out. Uh, thanks, Best Nut, Giant Peanuts, Salted, <laughs> 500 <laughs> grams. You guys are legends. We're having peanuts. And, <laughs> We're having uh, peanuts. Anything else, Matt, from your side? No. No, I've had a good time this week. Um, anything you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to our cider episode, man. We've been talking about this. For about, well, I think since our first mm. episode, I I think we have got some phenomenal ciders in this country. We do. And it's getting no play. I know. It's getting no play. So next next episode will be the cider episode. We're going to look yeah. at some international ciders. We're going to look at some local ciders. Yeah. Given the alcohol content of ciders, Matt and I are not going to do well. <laughs> I'm just warning you. We may be lying down during the entirety of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, much Thanks appreciated. Please leave comments. 
Please uh, send in requests. Yeah, Please and, do and what you can connect with us on beginnerbrewer.com. Just click on the podcast tab. I was just going to fucking say that, man. When you, yeah, well, I, 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 went, I went ahead and did it. There's a, uh, there's a Facebook page as there's well. A Facebook yeah. page. Thank you very, very much for listening. It's been a pleasure. Uh, yes. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Going tiger shooting. Tiger hunting. (laughs) I went, wow. Tiger jumped into the elephant carrot and I shat myself. (laughs) You shat yourself when the tiger jumped in? No, I shat myself just now when I said, wow.